Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about Jesus's relics. That's right. We're going to look at some of the lesser known relics associated with the life of Christ, where they're at, their historical significance, and so much more. Relics truly do bless the history of the Catholic Church, without a doubt. But these relics that we're going to share with you today reveals many, many miracles associated with them from the beginning of the church till today. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at some of the show notes here, and I, I see some things I've never seen before, yeah. like a holy diaper. A holy diaper. We're going to get into the holy <laughs> diaper. So don't don't give away what you did too early in the episode, but the holy diaper's coming up. I'll just say that. <laughs> and so you do want to stick around. Yeah. You know, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're connecting with us on our audio platforms, you're going to want to hit a thumbs up, especially when it comes to the holy diaper, because it's going to blow your mind. So we've done episodes on some of the better known relics of Christ, right? Things like the uh, the true cross, cross yeah. or things like the... Um, the Shroud of Turin. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be talking about those ones because those ones really would take a whole episode yeah, to get into Yeah, and they're them. a standalone relic that, that has I mean. so much uh, culture and so much central thought and devotion around these uh, these realities. But the ones that we we have today, you may hear, you may have heard of some of these relics. You may have even venerated some of these relics. And if you have, and if you've seen them, we want to know that in the comments section below. So make sure that you're commenting and sharing your testimonies to build and edify the faith of all of our followers, because we do have a really cool family with the Catholic Talk Show here. Yeah. So uh, the first one that we want to talk about today and this one, this one captured my imagination about 10 years ago or so. Um, and it's something that only gets displayed on a kind of periodic interval. And that is the robe of Jesus, mm-hmm. the actual clothes that he wore. Um, and to see something like that was, was really mind-blowing. So this is called the, the seamless robe. So if you look, remember in Scripture where the, the Roman soldiers are casting lots. They're playing dice because Jesus is wearing a pretty nice robe, right? It was a, a robe made out of one piece of cloth, which is pretty rare because yeah. back in the day, I mean, you had, your clothes were held together with, you know, stitches, stitches. and hope, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is the actual robe, according to tradition, that Our Lady made for Jesus that Jesus wore throughout his life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his under tunic. Um, and this is in Trier, Germany. So we'll put pictures of all of these up. So if you're listening to the podcast, uh, you might want to watch this later to see the actual pictures. But uh, yeah, this is in the Basilica in Trier, Germany. And, and just looking at that robe there, uh, the the ancientness of it and the size of it and the cut of it, it, it really just it fascinates the imagination and you and you think of the research done by Mel Gibson for the Passion of the Christ. Yeah, you know you see that that's the robe that mm-hmm. that was in the Passion of the Christ, and this is hit pop culture too. Like the movie, the robe. You know that that film back in 1953. I still yeah. remember yeah. watching that with my grandfather. But you know there there is a long standing tradition and reverence due to this particular relic associated with Jesus. This was fabric that touched the mystical body of Jesus Christ, our Savior, 
the only begotten son of God, God incarnate, <laughs> wore this seamless robe. So according to tradition, this was found by St. Helena. So St. Helena was the mother of Constantine. and She's the patron saint, patroness of all archaeologists. Mm -hmm. And, and really sourced so many relics related to Jesus beyond the ones that we're going to be sharing with you here on this show today, because we we probably need to do just an episode on St. Helen alone. That's right. So yeah. so St. Helena, she was sent by Constantine, mm -hmm. her son, the, the Roman emperor, right? Kind of big deal, right? And she's a you know, she's a Christian. So he's like, Go ahead, mom. I'm going to give you a trip to Jerusalem. He's probably looking to have a house party, needed her out of the house. You know, emperors are. Here's a ton of money. Just go do whatever you want. Mom, no, seriously, no. <laughs> it's a credit card. I'm, mom, just, I'll order pizzas. Card, we'll be fine. Not a big deal. We're not going to have any parties. <laughs> you go to you go with your friends. You know, I, I hear Maximus's mom wants to go for a trip. Why don't you go to <laughs> Jerusalem? Anyway, so he commissions St. Helena to go to Jerusalem to find the, specifically to find these holy sites, right? And she found during this trip, the site of the crucifixion, the site of the birth. She went and interviewed all of the locals because the locals preserved all of these traditions saying, well, yeah, we all know that it was there. See underneath that building right there? It's there, but the old Romans built the temple of Venus on top of it because they wanted to get rid of us from worshiping there. But we all know what's under there. So that's why she's like, an investigative archaeologist, but she found this robe in 325 along with the Holy Cross and um, sent it up to Trier in Germany where it's still to this day. Now, one of the things is that you can't do carbon dating on this, which is unfortunate because in the 18th, 19th century, they dipped the whole thing in rubber to preserve it because, you know, like the, the threads were getting frayed and everything. Oh, my goodness. Which, you know, a lot of times with... <laughs> Rubber? Brilliant. Rubber? <laughs> it bounces like a ball. You know, the, I mean, that was the technology at the time. You yeah. know, they would... A lot of things like in ancient artwork is preserved in really whack ways, right? Yeah. And uh, that was one of them. So there's, there's not really been any good dating on this, but, I mean, records of it go back to... The, you know, 1200s, right, or, or mm. earlier. So, mm. wow. So that's that. the The actual robe of Jesus, uh, and but then thinking about that, Jesus. This is this is what the Romans were playing for. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't value God made man on the cross right next to them. They valued this piece of cloth, which I think is a real reflection on just how easily we can overlook the true, you know, the things that are really valuable in our life that are right next to us. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the Holy Cross too. And I think it's a great segue to look at this next uh, relic associated with Jesus. And, you know, incorrectly, Martin Luther said that one could build a whole house using all of the parts of the true cross scattered around the world. And he, he said that very irreverently, you know, kind of criticizing uh, the reliquaries of, of the church as it relates to the reverence to the Holy Cross. But, you know, according to the research carried out associated with the reliquaries that hold the uh, this this great relic associated with Jesus, the Holy Cross, uh, done in 19, the 19th century, the known fragments of the Holy Cross amount to less than one ninth of its original volume. Um, and the history of the cross goes all the way back to where St. Helena discovered this with the robe and secured one of the most important relics to Christendom. And that is the instrument of our salvation, the very 
throne that Christ mounted uh, and and won our salvation by his self-offering and self-denial. Yeah, the according to tradition, there was three crosses there, and St. Helena needed to find out which is the true cross. So she found oh, this a, is a great. She yeah, found a great. person who was terminally ill just among the population of Jerusalem, and had them lay down on each of the three crosses. And when he laid down on the true cross, he was miraculously healed, and they knew that that was wow. the true cross. Mm-hmm. So we do still have slivers of the true cross. I mean, there's there's some in a lot of churches, but unfortunately, the majority of it, the largest piece of it, was lost in. 1187 in the Battle of Hattin to Saladin. Hmm. So the Crusaders would le- would hold that aloft ahead of them before going into battle. And they did that at the Horns of Hattin against Saladin, and they lost the battle. Hmm. And the last recording of it in history, and this breaks my heart to say, the last time it's ever mentioned in any document is that it was last seen being dragged by behind the horse. horse yeah. Through the through the city of Damascus, they tied it to the horse and dragged it around to mock the Christians mm. and their victory over them. Mm. That hurts. That does. That's painful. Yeah. That is. I'd like to believe it's still out there mm-hmm. somewhere, waiting to be rediscovered. Maybe mm. a new Saint Helena, but you know, again, these are not magical items. They are not our salvation themselves, but they are, you know, because of their association association with Christ, very very holy, but. Mm. You know, they're not. Our salvation is not the wood. Our salvation is the God-made man mm-hmm. who who hung on it. Yeah, and clearly, you know, the the irreverence and the sacrilegious action that that is to the Catholic sensibility, uh, the value of that cross in the city of Damascus was viewed upon by people that are believers and respect that cross. So you better believe that human beings in the in the line of faith saw that cross and who knows it may be somewhere hidden in in some underground place in damascus somewhere or outside of the city of damascus yeah because you always hear these stories of like oh this person was executed this the saint was martyred and then they throw their body in the river or burn them or whatever but then after everyone left someone knew and they were waiting for a moment they'd come and get it exactly i would like to believe that that happened too and that there's and then hit it because it was just such turmoil in the in the area and and hopefully there's some secret order who's been protecting the true cross for the last 800 years and if there is we want to be a part of it if there is (laughs) so i won't tell anyone but if if a letter shows up in my house and asks me to join i'm down i'm down too you know which now I'm, now I'm going to be looking for that letter. <laughs> um, Did it come? Did it come? <laughs> so one, so the cross is part <clears throat> of a larger group of relics known as the Arma Christi. And I love this. It's the weapons of Christ. Mm. And those are all the relics associated with the crucifixion. And it's, it's torture. It's torture, trial, mm-hmm. arrest, and crucifixion. They're the weapons of Christ. Now, you'd think because these are the weapons that were used against Christ to execute him. And, but in the tradition of, of statuary and the expression of the victory of Christ in his resurrection, you know, there are, there's like St. Paul, for example, he was beheaded. So in statuary and artistic expressions, he's holding the sword in his hand in the form of victory mm-hmm. over the sword. But these are called the weapons of Christ, not because they were used against Jesus, because, but because these were the things that he used to defeat death and mm-hmm. Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, so he took the very implements 
that he was tortured with and used them to defeat mm-hmm. Satan. So some of the things that are included in the Arma Christi or the weapons of Christ are the true cross, like we just mentioned. Um, the crown of thorns, which, I mean, we all know where the crown of thorns is. It's in Notre Dame. And there was the fire there a few years ago, and it was a big thing to get the crown of thorns out because that was the the most sacred mm-hmm. relic there. Um, there's the column where he was whipped. There's the the holy sponge that was dipped in, in the vinegar. Um, the uh, the nails. So a lot of a lot of tradition around the nails. Mm-hmm. Like one was in the um, the crown of Constantine. Like mm-hmm. he took one of the nails. And uh, then one of the outstanding images too, the lance that you could see in the image that you pulled up before is you know the lance is also part of the reliquary of the church. Yeah, that's the lance of Longinus mm-hmm. that that yep. pierced his side. Yeah. You know, I just watched the I watched the new the newest Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones is like 80 years old now. It's mm-hmm. time to hang up the whip, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember years and years ago they're saying, "Okay, we're going to release a new Indiana Jones and it was going to be called The Spear of Destiny because you had the Holy Grail, you had the Ark of the Covenant. And they were all very Christian relic oriented." Mm-hmm. And then this new movie, if you haven't seen it and you want to watch it, pause this or fast forward. I, I'm going to give spoilers. And that was always going to be the next chapter was the Lance of Destiny because the tradition is whoever owns this lance is going to be the most exalted king, the leader of the world. So then Indiana Jones is fighting the Nazis to get the lance. And they open it up and they're like, this is a fake. It has no real power. This is worthless. What we're really after is the dial of destiny and science. I'm like, this is stupid. Uh, this is where you, you take such great God. novel writing and and great literature Butcher and then God. just manipulate yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Just, yeah, come on, man. You took Indiana Jones, you turned him into not cool, man. Yeah. yeah that, I was, I was watching that. I'm like, this is stupid. Wow. So they took the idea because Indiana Jones, the property got sold to Disney, I think. They took the idea, you go. <laughs> turned it from finding the spear of Christ and beating the Nazis to, we need to find the scientific thing that is a computer from ancient Greece. Ah, oh, dude, come on. Mm, anyway. Shame. Uh, you have the Veil of Veronica. Yeah. Um, I have a huge, a huge devotion to the Veil of Veronica and a huge devotion to St. Veronica, the face of Christ. Um, some of the other ones are the reed, the mm-hmm. robe, and the, the crown of thorns. Those are all mm-hmm. the things that he was... Dressed up like uh, by the Romans. You have the titulus crucis. Which, oh, dude, the dice. The dice. I, I don't know about the dice. What are the dice? Oh, the, the well, no, the, yeah, the, the dice that the soldiers cast lots. cast lots for. Like, that's crazy. Where is that one at? That, I don't know. I'd love to know where. There's also the rooster that crowed after Peter's third denial, and it's like, okay, so you got a rooster now? Like, is it is a bunch it, of bones a, or a bunch something? Of chicken? Yeah, it's like, like wow. a McDonald's hamburger that never rots. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> good day. Um, the ladder used for the disposition. So the ladder that they climbed up to the take deposition. Yeah, mm-hmm. the deposition. The ropes used to raise, raising the cross. The hammer. The pincers used to remove the nails. Mm. The vessel of myrrh used to anoint him. The shroud, which obviously. Um, the sun and the moon, considered a relic of the armor Christi because of the eclipse hmm. that happened at the uh, at the third hour. That's interesting. That's considered a relic? I, I guess so, according to this list. Huh. Um, the chains that he was held in overnight, the lanterns and the torches that the arresting soldiers carried, the sword that Peter used to cut off you know, the, the servant's ear, um, even the trumpet played to mock Christ on the way to Calvary. So those are all 
the instruments, right? So the, some of the lesser known relics. So a lot of those exist, a lot of those don't, but the, that's like an accounting of all the things that would be included in the arm of Christi. The arm of Christi. Yeah, so these aren't necessarily something that's been preserved throughout history, but something a that lot of them have. Consider, yeah. A lot of them mm-hmm. have. I mean, we could go through all of these, but then yeah. the show would be sixty-four hours long, mm. and you guys would stop watching. Wow. You know, I'm just I'm I'm sitting there thinking about you know like the the trumpet, the horns playing in mockery of Jesus as he begins the Via Crucis, and you know it's such a, such an irreverent action of of just you know. Uh, and we we talk about it all the time. We just see such irreverence with with certain things that we experience online or whatever. But you know, you think about Christ coming back triumphantly to judge the living and the dead, and the angels piping like the true trumpeteers of like the authority of Christ's kingdom. Like <laughs> that's going to be like next level. That's going to be next level. Huh? <laughs> it's crazy. But you know, something that I, I remember for as it relates to reverencing some of these uh, of these relics that we're discussing. Um, you know, there are many of these relics scattered throughout Rome, but the one in particular that um, that stands out the most as a place that I've gone many times and have incredible experiences praying uh, with pilgrims uh, over the past 10 years, no, more 20 years of ministry and 10 years of priesthood, uh, is the Scala Santa. I mean, the holy stairs where you, by tradition, climb up on your knees on on the very staircase that led to uh, Christ's condemnation. Mm. Yeah, um, those were the stairs that led, that's the stairs that he would have had to walk up to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate. Pilate. And mm-hmm. you, you, you've done those? Yeah, a number of times. Where are those at? And it's right across the street from St. John Lateran. So on the Lateran Hill, Right across from the entry of of St. John's, uh, you just cross the cross the street, and um, and that, that's right where he there. was condemned in in real life, or was that just moved there? It was moved. Yeah. So you know, when when we go on this Holy Land trip in January of this year, like we're going to uh, be able to see the Praetorium and where where Jesus was condemned. Wow. So those stairs were transported from that location. Um, you know, to to where they are now. That's crazy. And, you know, for people who would doubt that that actually, those kind of things happened in the ancient world, that Helena would have went there and actually brought all this stuff back to her, that was actually really, really common. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the most common things that would happen is that, um, you know, you're basically, I mean, the same reason that the Babylonians carted off the Ark of the Covenant or the same reason that... Uh, you know, the Assyrians would kill the Apis bull in Egypt or the Romans would bring back, you know, an obelisk. And, it, and it's like, you know, the sensibilities that we have, we're so jacked up. I mean, like our, our generations are so messed up because look at how often we're renovating and the building materials that we use is not great. Yeah. It's like these building materials are falling apart left and right, but that's not the way that the ancients built. That's not the way that our forefathers built. Heck, they they built better in the early 20th century than they do right now. You know, yeah. you look at some of these houses in up, up north, like, you know, they, they built them to last multi-generations. Like, you know, they want their patrimony to be established in land, property, and, yeah. and houses. Well, we've been manipulated because it's like we're building at, at, at such a, a fast pace with quick material that needs to be replaced. That's not the mentality here. Like all this stuff was meant to last yeah. and stay suited in in patrimony to be passed down. So those those are kind of all ones associated with um, 
with his with his passion. But I think the ones that are maybe more peaceful to consider are the ones associated with his nativity. And um, we are going to have the chance when we're on our pilgrimage, we're going to be going to the church of the nativity, and we're going to venerate the very spot that the incarnation happened where our, la- our Lord was laid, you know, in swaddled and clothes in a manger, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and there's a big silver star there. So that's going to be an amazing opportunity. But like I said, there was a manger and swaddling clothes. Uh, what would be the swaddling clothes? Like, that's that's the question of all questions for this episode. The swaddling clothes is also binky. known. Is, it's also known as the holy diaper. That yeah. is the holy diaper. So now we have to go into etymology about what a diaper really is. Ryan, you have seven kids. I imagine you know what a diaper is at this point, unless <laughs> yeah, Jen does take care of all of that. But swaddling clothes are different than a diaper as such. You know, I mean, you're wrapping the you kid up. You couldn't run so into Carter's in the first century and just get swaddling clothes and onesies, dude. <laughs> 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 they, they just didn't have them. Dang, man, just, for you, real? You what did they do? <laughs> washed, they washed them in the river. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> do you think Joseph changed diapers? He had to have. Joseph was very hands-on type of a father. You think so? Oh, yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we got some swaddling clothes. Not necessarily a diaper, but swaddling swaddling clothes. They're they're called the holy diaper, but it's the clothes that Jesus was swaddled. And that's in the the reliquary treasury of the Dubrovnik Cathedral. Dubrovnik. It's a beautiful cathedral. It is is gorgeous. That city is beautiful. Beautiful, one of the most beautiful places you'll ever go in your life. Yep, highly recommend it. St. Blaise's relics are there too, and uh, at a beautiful church. The city's amazing, the people are great, the food's awesome, the views are great. This is like a Roman, uh, fortified city, and it's it was also you know some of the sites where uh, Game of Thrones were shot was shot too. Um, it is breathtaking, yeah. So, um the holy diaper, uh, it was in. It was originally in Aachen Cathedral, which is where Charlemagne was at. Mm-hmm. Then it moved over to Dubrovnik uh, in Croatia. But um, I, I don't think you've ever thought of a diaper being holy before, but there you go. I've never thought of a diaper being holy. I've seen some unholy ones for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are, we're on our last child. God willing, and uh, God so, willing. <laughs> so like I'm looking at it going, you're my last one. As soon as I potty train you, I never have to. I'm never going to change a diaper again. Well, never. Let's, let's just and say then that grandchildren then galore. Let's just say that on average, each of your seven kids, let's say two of them become priests or nuns, at least five, and they're going to have half the amount of kids you have. So three to four. We're looking at twenty. 20 crap factories descending upon the Delacrosse house all at once. I can't escape it. You're and never going to escape it. The poop production Ugh. of the Delacrosse clan at that point is going to be massive. So they're going to need extra hands, granddad. Yeah. Nobody wants our diapers. <laughs> yeah. They're going to end up in the Dubrovnik uh, <laughs> reliquary dump. <laughs> um. But then also, okay, well, now he, our Lord's, uh, you know, in the swaddling clothes. So he's also going to be laid into that manger that was on that silver star. Mm-hmm. And that the manger still exists to this day as well, um, which is, that's going to be in the church of St. Uh, the church of Jerusalem in Rome. Yeah. Which is, basically it was 
St. Helena's personal chapel. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of And that's where a greater majority of those relics yeah. are. If you wanna if you wanna venerate yeah. and go to the church, yeah. you know, it's it's at that Are location. we going there at all? Or no? Well that's, that's in Rome. Rome. So oh, it's maybe in Rome, sorry. In, so we're For not the gonna, Jubilee in twenty five, we're yeah. probably gonna go there, but it's not confirmed yet. Uh, but it's cool. That church was actually built on soil excavated from Jerusalem. That's why it's Jerusalem in Rome. That's very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some other pretty cool relics associated with Jesus. So Jesus was assumed, I'm sorry, Jesus ascended into heaven. Mary Correct. was assumed. He ascended in heaven. So there's, you know, there's, there's, he's not here physically anymore. But logic would dictate that parts of him would have been left behind because, I mean, that's what happens with a normal human body, right? So according to tradition, there is, well, there's things that would have been left behind like his baby teeth, right? Mm -hmm. So there'll there'll be churches that will have some of Jesus' baby teeth. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. (laughs) Right? I mean, it happens. Uh, His beard hairs or his hair, I mean, he's going to get haircuts, he's going to get beard trims i would imagine right <laughs> so there's traditions that there's there's hair and beard hair of jesus there's um the, the blood of christ shed during the crucifixion there's relics of that in churches the, we've talked about this on another episode and we didn't get excommunicated so i feel like i don't think it's going to happen at this point but there's also the holy prepuce yes we've we know exactly what let's that is let's move on to be clear, that's the foreskin of Jesus. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and if you want to hear more about it, just click this video right here. When I said move on, I didn't mean that. <laughs> so anyway, the Holy Prep uses the foreskin of Jesus, and that was there was multiple, he just loves talking about this. There's multiple churches that say, claim to have that. There's multiple female saints throughout the Middle Ages who would have ecstatic visions where that the foreskin of Jesus would be their their wedding ring. Uh, that was a pretty common vision of of holy women throughout the Middle Ages. All righty. Um, yeah. <laughs> you do, you do, There's you do also, take personal pleasure. He does. Got a much personal pleasure, I love watching you know, guys like, squirm. Just, um, the holy umbilical cord. <laughs> He's got the smile on his face right now. It's it is, currently in he the, likes Arch, torturing us. the Archbasilica of St. John Lateran. So St. John Lateran <laughs> has a section of the holy umbilical cord. That's pretty cool. Catholicism like is weird. Dude. If you're into that kind of stuff, Catholicism. Can we just all admit that the church is a weird place, uh, it, it, it's especially okay. when it comes to and, relics? And you love it. It's cool. I'm yeah, very proud of the cool. weirdness of our faith. Uh, let, let's keep Catholicism weird. Keep Catholicism right? weird. I like it. Yeah, yeah you know, it takes, was, takes all. Like we're all like one body, right? So you always have that guy yeah. who's like, hey. Let's get his unbiblical cord. <laughs> unbiblical you know, cord. Like, his, hey. his unbiblical cord. <laughs> yeah. He's that guy. You know, you, you, know, you got He's Helena looking for the cross and everything, right? And then you got that guy who's just like, hey, Mortimer. I got the foreskin. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, okay. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's a nun. Uh, uh, she's she looking said for a she'd ring. take it. Yeah. <laughs> One of my one of my favorite stories. <laughs> Stop, Ryan. <laughs> no, 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 okay, okay. this He's one already, just gets continuing. Yeah, this one's Once not, this on one's not meant to make you guys cringe, but I enjoy it. I, we all know you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, For the people yeah. who are listening in, you, again, yeah. you might want to watch this one because his face just—he really enjoys. You're this not. Stuff. You're not going to go to the third in a weird way. He's that guy. church, right? 
of of Main Street and find this stuff. Dude, no. Deli, he's the guy. Hmm? This is the guy. He's the guy. He's like, dude, we should do this right now. So weird. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to go talk to a nun and be like, hey. (laughs) Do you think you're going to be a religious? (laughs) You are loved. All right. So here's one last really weird thing I think is really interesting. We talked about the crown of thorns earlier and how it was saved from the fire of Notre Dame. But that one has a long, long history going all the way back 4th, 5th century. They've always kind of know where this is at. But I really like the interesting and weird fact that the crown of thorns was actually pawned by the emperor of Constantinople. <laughs> he was broke, man. He was broke, and he straight up went to the pawn Need shop. Some cash. And pawned <laughs> Cash now? Yeah. Come to the Bank of Venice. <laughs> we take all holy reliquaries and uh, Arma Christi. No, that's what happened. So when the, the Latin crusaders in the Fourth Crusade sacked Constantinople and established the Latin empire of of Constantinople, you had this emperor, Baldwin II, totally broke, totally out of money, podunk emperor, not a legitimate <laughs> emperor of Constantinople, right? And he pawned the relics of the holy crown of thorns to a bank in Venice, to the bank. And then, you know what? Couldn't come back and reclaim it, so the bank owned it, and they he wasn't able to Jeez. reclaim his pawn. So then eventually, King Louis IX, which St. Louis is named after, he had the cash, and he's just cruising around a pawn shop in Venice. He's like, cool, or maybe they got a guitar or some like, weird <laughs> old coins or whatever. What's this? And he's like, oh, sir, you're going to like this. I got this off of uh, Baldwin II. He left it for pawn. Dude never showed up. It's ours now. I got it on sale for you today. So he went and bought it, and then it's been in Paris ever since. Amazing. It, it's, it's it was there until the fire, like, too, and then they moved it to the, the Louvre. Louvre. The Louvre. Louvre. The Brett Favre. Yeah, <laughs> the I think it's Favre. one of the only holy relics, like in a secular. Besides the tooth of Mary Magdalene. Which is in the Met. Uh, is it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There oh. probably is other relics that are in there, There's a lot, too. Yeah. yeah, there's probably a ton. And then I think it's only there for now. Yeah, you know, until they until they But I just think, look. There's a lot of really interesting stories like that around all the relics, their their provenance, their history, the the, the path that they took from ownership. Uh, it's one of the things that makes Catholicism just so interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just is the the weird, wild, wooly, and real history of how people react in their relationship to their faith and the items that go along with that. Mm-hmm. You just can't get them anywhere else. No, and you know, like there's research being done around these relics too, and. And there's been, uh, you know, investigation in in relationship to the Shroud of Turin and the Crown of Thorns, and you know, thistles only found in Judea around the head on the linen, and then mm-hmm. that being one of the plants used in the Crown of Thorns that's been identified, and it's just fascinating things that have come as a fruit on top of all of the miracles associated with these relics for countless centuries you know, related to the practices of our faith and venerating these mm-hmm. relics, you know, so we just encourage you as you go on pilgrimages. The Holy as- Prepuce was lost for like, <laughs> oh my God. For like 40 years. No the parish priest had no took more. it from the church and kept it in the sock He hit it in his sock drawer. You know what's weirder than the Holy Prepuce? <laughs> you know what's weirder than that? It should have been his underwear of drawer. Ta- of your weird tastes for uh, these weird relics. It's weird if people don't pray. It is. That's weird. like central to the Catholic faith. And, you know, you need to open your hearts up and you need to open your phones up and download the number one 
app Stop in the world. Stop, Ryan. The number one Catholic prayer app, which is hollow. And you know what? You won't even have to pawn anything to be able to afford it because oh. if you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow, <laughs> you can get it for the holy prep use. <laughs> so if you get, you can go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow and you can try the number one Catholic prayer app for, for free. free. Don't free. even have to pawn anything. You know why? Why? Because we're the Catholic Talk Show and we love our guys. We got that kind of clout. Yeah. We clout, we're like, dude. yo, we got to you know, give. We gotta four give years ago, we are like, hey, go to CatholicTalkShow.com and pay full price for an app. We don't have yeah, to do that yeah, anymore. Don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look at the, we got the plaque. We got the clout. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Right? Ridiculous. Times are changing. That's it. Ridiculous. Who's that guy? That's Kev. Kevin, man. Oh my gosh! That's yeah, awesome. That's so awesome. Kevin signed his his shot. We put it up on the wall. Wait, yeah. hollow. hollow, hollow. That's right. It's so. got a bunch of freaking prayers in it, <laughs> <laughs> like, and there's over a billion prayers said to date. Yeah, and I use it every day. I use Lexio Divina, driving in the car with my daughter. I'll put it on, um, preparing mass. You know, preparing my kids for mass. There's a a tool for that. Uh, there's groups. I got a group, Mama's Boys. Mm-hmm. That no. was your how? What? No, no. Mama, don't what you, was it? Ave Maria. Like, was that your baseball team? My football team. <laughs> how did you even know that? I don't know. You just I, <laughs> hey, we're like this. We think the same. <laughs> uh, yeah. So look, there's there's all kinds of devotions. There's there's prayer guides. There's sleep aids. There's sacred music. There's podcasts. There's Bible in the Year with Father Mike Schmitz, who is a relic in and of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, first class. <laughs> there's, um, like you said, prayer groups. There's novenas. There's devotions, rosary guides. Anything you can think of that helps you in your prayer life, it's right there. So if you want to try it out, go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow. Try it out right now, 100% free. So as, as we continue to celebrate our faith and realize the great tradition and heritage of venerating these relics from the treasuries of the church, we encourage you to find out what relics do you have in your church? Do you have saints? Do you have relics in your own possession of, of your own parish communities? And certainly when you go on pilgrimage around the world to ensure that you go to these places wherever you find yourself on, on, the, on the roads of pilgrimage to visit these beautiful shrines in these places, especially in Rome. And we want to give you forewarning and notice that Roman pilgrimage for the Jubilee year, it's going to be coming, and we're going to be opening up that trip sometime in the near future. So make sure you're connecting with us and stay subscribed on all of our platforms, catholictalkshow.com, and big shout-out to our patrons. Thank you for your support, and God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.